This is the Hit Breakfast Show podcast. Are you ready to explore a job that matters? Well, Aussie Dairy has positions vacant. Visit dairyjobsmatter.com.au to learn more. Mic check, one, two. Turn it up. Producer Matt, filling in for you at the moment and doing a lot of learning. I noticed that there's a lot of stories about thunderstorm asthma coming up and the potential pill that might be able to help sufferers. So I thought, hey... Let's find out. I'd uh, reached to the top, to be honest. I've got uh, National Asthma Council Director Peter Walk. He will have a chat with us in just a couple of minutes. But first, I reached all the way to Alaska to Katmai National Park. If you haven't heard of it, there's a magical thing called Fat Bear Week. Strap in. It's super interesting. The Hit Breakfast Show. This is the Hit Breakfast Show podcast. It's Hit Breakfast. Producer Matt looking after you this morning. And I've been talking about Fat Bear Week because it brings me so much joy. And I thought, hey, Matt, let's get a pro in. And I've reached out to uh, Katmai National Park. We've got Leanne Law, the visual information specialist, the person behind all of the amazing graphics you've been seeing for Fat Bear Week. Good morning or evening. <laughs> yeah, good, good afternoon from afternoon. here, I guess. Thank you so much for having a chat with us. So, look, let's get into the concept, the idea. What is Fat Bear Week? Fat Bear Week is essentially a celebration of success for our bears for the healthy salmon run that supports them, and for Katmai's ecosystem overall. And we do this through a bit of a competition with some humor in it, too. Right, because, yeah, the success is that the bears are getting fat enough to hibernate, hey? Absolutely. So a fat bear is a healthy bear. So <laughs> they essentially need to eat an entire year's worth of food in six months or less. So, because how long do they hibernate for? Sure. It could be, it varies a little bit depending on like if you are a sow with cubs or if you're a single male, but it can be four plus months. And so bears won't eat or drink anything during that time, but instead rely solely on their fat reserves. I think it's brilliant. So uh, how did it, like, how did the idea start? At what point did you go, hey, let's, let's make a, like a bracket out of this. What's, where, where was the seed? Yes. So Fat Bear Week started in 2014 simply as a one-day event called Fat Bear Tuesday. <laughs> and it was so successful. It's still so successful. Um, it has now expanded into a week-long event that includes all sorts of live chats with rangers and even a preliminary warm-up. So we have a Fat Bear Junior contest now for Cubs, too. <laughs> now, uh, was it? I think his name was Otis that won last year. Is that right? That is correct. 480 Otis. He was crowned once again for his fourth time as Fat Bear Week champion. Oh, are we expecting a, an upset this year at all, or is he uh, still looking to hold the crown? Ooh, there are so many favorites in this competition right now. He is a fan favorite for sure, but other bears who have won, like 747, 435 Holly, and some other bears as well are all great deserving competitors. And yeah. I will say we do have a bit of a dark horse, or I guess I should say dark bear, um, <laughs> yes. in first-time competitor 901, who is pulling in a lot of support. So we shall see. How do they get their nicknames or their other names, the non-numbered names? Sure. Um, so here at the park, when bears are seen three times within a monitoring monitoring session, they get a three-digit identifier number. Mm-hmm. So that's where like the 480 comes from or 747. And then nicknames are usually names that rangers have used in the past that have been grandfathered in. Uh-huh. Um, right now, our 
the park policy is to stick to numbering, but definitely names have gained traction and we have some that have been grandfathered in and people know them by names for sure. It's just honestly, it's like, it's very joyous. Like you said, it's just celebrating the health of the park and there's that many bears, I guess, that really is a sign that uh, Katmai National Park is doing well. Absolutely. Like, like we said, it's truly a celebration. And when you think about, you know, a time where many conservation stories might be more doom and gloom, we can point to Katmai and our fat bears and say, this is one of success. I love it. Thank you so much for having a chat with me. Have the best time this week and uh, you'll definitely be seeing a whole heap of votes coming through from Australia. Sounds good. It's always a pleasure to talk about fat bears too, so my (laughs) pleasure. Just saying it. Makes me so happy. Thank you so much. Head to explore.org for the voting of Fat Bear Week 2022. The Hit Breakfast Show. This is the Hit Breakfast Show podcast. It's Hit Breakfast. Producer Matt with you at the moment. And uh, I don't know if you've been seeing it in the news. There's been a lot of talk of thunderstorm asthma, some warnings getting around. And I realised I don't know anything about it. So I thought, hey, get an expert. Uh, I've got National Asthma Council Director, Professor Peter Walk. Good morning, Peter. Good morning. How are you today? I'm well, ready to learn. Um, I truly um, haven't really understood this concept. I know we've seen a lot of stuff since that big event that happened in 2016. Was it new? Like, is it a new event? Had it been happening before that? So, look, we've recorded episodes of thunderstorm asthma on, on several occasions, and not just in Australia for that matter. But these events occur particularly in spring and, and early summer, um, and they depend on a number of factors. Most importantly, they affect people who are allergic or sensitised to grass pollen. And so, of course, we come into spring and summer, and and that's when there's been, if we've had plenty of rain, of course, throughout winter, that's when we see um, a whole lot of grass pollen growing, and then the little grass seeds get released into the atmosphere, and and, and that allows for grass to grow. Now, at, at this time of year, if we develop a thunderstorm, what happens is that the weather conditions change, the wind starts to to blow really strongly and that blows the grass seeds up into the atmosphere. That's where it meets then the warm, wet air. Uh And really that causes those seeds to essentially explode and they release many, many tiny little grass grains absolutely packed full of of these pollens that that are released from grasses like ryegrass. Right. So is the wind yeah, sorry, the wind then changes. And, and the cold air then drives that pollen back down onto the surface. And that's, of course, when people can get exposed to vast amounts of, of grass pollen antigen. So is it, some, is it kind of related to uh, hay fever, that kind of vibe? Yeah. So if you're sensitized to grass pollen and you get what we call allergic rhinitis, also known as hay fever, uh-huh. uh, you can get those symptoms of itchy eyes, runny nose, scratchy back of the throat. But if you've got asthma, then you can also develop breathing difficulties as well. Tightness of a chest, wheeze, cough, those sorts of problems. Right. So uh, for any like uh, parents maybe who've uh, got young ones, is there anything they should keep an eye out for? So it's, it's a great resource in Victoria to look at the pollen counts on a regular basis and to see when these are very high, to be aware of when thunderstorms may be occurring and, and try and limit travel outdoors when that's happening for, for lots of reasons probably. Mm. But by far and away, the most important thing that people can do to prepare for these events is really to have good control of their asthma and to have 
good treatment of their allergic rhinitis or hay fever. And for people with asthma, that means the regular use of an inhaled corticosteroid preventer. And pretty much everybody over the age of six who has asthma should be using an inhaled preventer, either on a regular basis or as an, on an as-needed basis to control their asthma. And that's something that they can determine with their doctor. Right. And there's um, been some stories about a new tablet that could be helping out. Uh, what's the story with that? So that that relates to a thing called immunotherapy. Now, immunotherapy has been around for a very, very long time, in fact, and it's a way of trying to reprogram the immune system to stop reacting when it meets things like grass pollen allergy Uh um, and, and get it to respond a little bit more normally, let's say. In the past, um, with immunotherapy, what we've had to do is, is give a series of injections and that has had, that's really been very, very low levels of the thing that you're allergic to, mm. gradually building up your immune response to it. Now, that can be a problem if you have asthma and it's really not advised if you have asthma that's not well controlled because you can have an allergic reaction that could make your asthma worse and be very serious. Yeah. But um, if your asthma is well controlled, immunotherapy has been a way of modifying the immune response and reducing the severity of allergy. More recently, a number of products have become available that don't require injections, but instead you can take the immunotherapy as as an oral agent. Um, And so there's been a few that have, have become available and they've been shown to have pretty good effects on, on reducing the severity of hay fever. Um, a little bit less clear what impact they'll have on things like asthma. Right. Um, what you're referring to is a, a, um, a, a form of this oral immunotherapy that researchers at Monash have um, been leading. And they show that if you successfully use this immunotherapy in one season, you get lasting changes in your immune response that push it away from that allergic sort of response back to a more normal response. So really exciting sort of stuff. Probably still a little way to go before that's widely available. Um, we're still focused, of course, on on regular treatment to control ab- asthma to, to prevent it getting worse. And if you've got hay fever, recommendations still at the moment for a regular intranasal cortisone spray, um, plus or minus oral antihistamines. If you've got allergic rhinitis and you you know you get those hay fever symptoms at, at spring and summer. Oh, that's incredible. Thank you so much for uh, shining a light on that one for me, Peter. That's Peter Walk, National Asthma Cancer Director. Thank you very much. Thank you. The Hit Breakfast Show. That was the Hit Breakfast Show podcast. Are you ready to explore a job that matters? Well, Aussie Dairy has positions vacant. Visit dairyjobsmatter.com.au to learn more.